Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I looked at my calendar right. I think this week is New Year's week. Two thousand sixteen is upon us. So, what are you thinking about? What do you think about two thousand sixteen? Think we'll make it through? You think uh, ISIS will take over? What, what's what's your perspective? Turn with me in Psalm eight to Psalm eight. If we're going to be successful for God, we're going to have a proper perspective of the new year. First of all, we're going to have to have a proper perspective of God. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou makest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. When I consider, when I consider, you see, our view of 2016 is going to be determined of how much we consider. I was going to go into it like any other time. Or do we believe that God has already been in 2016? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that our God is the eternal God. He has already lived every day in the past. He has already lived every day in the future. Because he's not confined to time. Do I understand that God has lived every day of 2016 already? When I consider 
the God that made the moon, the God that made the stars, and how small I am in relation to God, and how big He is in relation to me, the Bible says in, uh, I think it's Isaiah 40, the nations of the world are dropping a bucket. And somewhere else it says it's like the small dust on the balance. Yet, even as big as God is and as small as I am, he still has work for me. He has responsibility for me. He has, he has not, I, I, I'm not here by accident. It, it's not just sheer chance that every one of you was born at the time that put you in the era of 2016. That's not, that's not by chance. You know, um, Todd Miller said, you know, we talk about the good old days. People live back in the good old days. And he said, well, the good old days is a combination of uh, vivid imagination and a poor memory. That, that's what constitutes the good old days. So he said, well, you know, if I would have just born back in the good old days, you know, we wouldn't have all this pressure that we have in 2016. Well, God didn't want you born in the good old days. Because if things progress, maybe somebody could look back 50 years from now and say, well, you know, Dennis and Mary Sue, well, they live in the good old days, you know, good old days. Well, that's because they have a poor memory and a, good, and a vivid imagination. But we do have a responsibility. He has made man a little lower than the angel, crowned him with glory and honor, put him over the dominion of the works of thy hands. He, he has a responsibility for us. He has something for us to do in 2016. But on the other hand, we have, and everybody knows this, if you've read the news or talked about it, I mean, the violence in the world is escalating. It, it just simply is. So how, how, how does that work? I mean, it's like... People say, well, you know, the way the world is, I, I don't think anybody should get married anymore having more babies. Because, I mean, why would you want to have more babies in this mess? You know, it's like, really? So we admit there's escalating violence in the world. How do I fit into the escalating violence of the world? Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Wherefore, therefore, will not we fear? Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, seal them. There is a river 
The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. He uttered his voice. Oh, God shall help her. Get it? God shall help her. And he's not going to mess around any time. He's not going to lose any time doing it. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease in the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Let's say the next phrase together. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And think about it. Selah. Meditate upon it. Think about it. God is with us. All the violence. Am I terrorized? Terrorists mean to terrorize people. That's their object. Am I terrorized? Or am I comforted? God is our refuge and strength. He is. Now, when I was growing up, um, they had a thing that was called a Sputnik. Anybody here know what a Sputnik was? All right, I got two hands here. Anybody else had a Sputnik? All right. Well, it was a object that Russia hurled up into space, and um, we call it a satellite. And who knows what Russia was going to do with their Sputniks. They could do almost anything they wanted with their Sputniks. It was called the Space Race. And I remember distinctly when they shot John Glenn up into the air, into space, and he went around and around and around and around, and he came back down and splashed down in the ocean, and what a day that was. You know, we, we might be catching up to the Russians. And they sent, first of all, they sent monkeys up. And to come back and see if they were still living or not. And all these experiments, and they had these Sputniks, and they had these satellites, and, and they had ICBMs. So you know what an ICBM is? 
It's an intercontinental ballistic missile that they could send from one continent to the other and blow you to smithereens. And between the Sputniks and the ICBMs, oh, you just didn't know whether you want to get up in the morning or not. Because by the time the day's over, they could unleash these things and everything will just be up in smoke. And it'll just. And it was Kennedy and it was Khrushchev. And they spat back and forth at each other and threatened each other what they could do and what they could do and you do this and I'll do this. And they called it the Cold War. That's what they called it, the Cold War. I don't know, I think maybe I read this a long time ago here, but I'm going to read it again this morning. It's written by A.W. Tozer on December 11, 1957. Now, most of you aren't even born in 1957. All right. It's entitled, Perfect Love Casts Out Fear. I'll read it this morning. During the Second World War, the Nazis introduced a new weapon which had not been used before or at least never to the same degree. It was the technique of panic. Bombs were fitted with eerie whistles as set up an unearthly wail as they sped earthward. This worked well at first. Whole populations rushed out and frantically milled around getting in each other's way. And what was more serious, blocking the streets and highways and preventing the free passage of troops and ambulances. This, of course, was the purpose of the scream bomb, to stampede crowds by frightening them. Later, the Chinese Reds used this scare technique against UN troops in Korea, but it didn't work so well against trained men. They were too hard to scare. In the present Cold War, the Soviets are still carrying on the old fear gimmick, issued, issuing veiled warnings and making ominous threats of total destruction of those who stand in their way. The purpose is to break the spirit of free peoples by the psychology of terror. Most of our threats are about as deadly as Halloween masks, and they know that we know it, but they also know that we do not know which one is real, so they keep trying to panic us. The nearest we in the United States have come to panic was when the Russians sent up their satellites a few weeks ago. Whether they meant to terrorize us when they hurled their little gadgets into the skies or whether the whole thing was a legitimate scientific venture, we may never, may never be known for certain, but there is no doubt that they are now playing the screen bomb game to the limit and enjoying seeing some of the leaders of the greatest and most powerful nation in the world running in terrified circles. I have at the moment no advice for the State Department, but I believe I do have a word for God's people. We should keep in mind that no nation is wholly evil, 
So no sharp national line of demarcation can be drawn between the friends and enemies of heaven. The free nations of the earth have much for which they should repent, and there are without doubt many true Christians in Russia who have not bowed the knee to communism or kissed its image. It becomes us, therefore, to be penitent, confident, and humbly brave before the mask of terror presented by H-bombs, Sputniks, and ballistic missiles. No matter what the circumstances, we as Christians should keep our heads. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. It's a dismal thing to see a son of heaven cringe and tear before the sons of earth. We are taught by the Holy Spirit and scriptures of truth that fear is a kind of prison for the mind and that we may spend a lifetime in bondage. And by it, we may spend a lifetime in bondage. To recoil from the approach of mental or physical pain is natural, but to allow our minds to become terrorized is quite another thing. The first is a reflex action. The latter is a result of sin and a work of the devil to bring us into bondage. Terror is or should be foreign to the redeemed mind. True faith delivers from fear by consciously imposing God between it and the object that would make it afraid. Get that. Puts God between us and a terrorist. The soul that lives in God is surrounded by the divine presence so no enemy can approach it without first disposing of God, which is an impossibility. I could quote hundreds of passages from the Holy Scriptures to show that God gives us people that... to show that... Oh, I could quote hundreds of passages from the Holy Scriptures to show that God keeps His people and that there is nothing in earth or in hell that can harm a trusting soul. The past is forgiven. The present uh, is in God's keeping and a thousand bright promises to give assurance for the future. Yet we are sometimes terrified by the adversary. This is not uncommon, but it is unnecessary. We should not try to excuse it, but rather acknowledge it as evidence of our spiritual immaturity. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, we are safe here on earth as, earth as if we were already in heaven. We have not passed the beyond the possibility of physical death, but we have entered a sphere, a sphere of life where we can afford to die, knowing that for the Christian, death is a bright portal to glory. It is entirely possible to reach a place in grace where nothing can panic us. We can have an understanding with God about our yesterdays, our todays, and our tomorrows. The fear of death and judgment goes out of us as the true fear of God comes in, and that fear has no torment but is rather a light and easy yoke for the soul, one which rests us instead of exhausting us. I thought, that was challenging. So where is, where are the battle lines drawn? This morning, where are the battle lines drawn? Will the United States win the, tor the, the war on terror? They want to. Or will the whole world win the war on terror?
745 in your hymnals. Margaret Penner Tubes or whatever, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, was some doing some deep thinking. When she wrote, you know what, we can sing this song. Let's stand together. Song leader, give me a G. No soul. Have you entered the ranks of Jehovah? Are you marching in the army of the King? Have you done the armor of the Holy Spirit? Hear the shouts of battle ring. Then forth with confidence and do not tremble. Raise the shield and charge. People said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, where does my sense of stability come from? Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 63. Where does my sense of stability come from? My sense of stability come from the fact that it takes uh, 
Oh, seven FBI agents to follow one ISIS uh, sympathizer. Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early while I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy glory, thy power, and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore, where in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. What is, I ask you this morning, the shadow of of the wings of God. Now I automatically think of a chicken with its chicks under its wings. Mom's taking care of him, taking good care of him. The shadow of his wings. So who will win the war on terror? Psalm 92. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon a psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hath made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth the fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, when all, I, all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, are most high forevermore. So who's going to win the war on terror? United States going to win the war on terror? No. Will the world win the war on terror? No. Will God win the war on terror? Absolutely. God will win the war on terror. I don't know. But one thing for sure, we're going to have to think deep thoughts like God. That's what it says in this passage of Scripture. We have to think deep thoughts like God. We're going to have to do some meditation if we're going to get past the scream bombs and the 
bombs and the ISIS and the Sputniks and the ICBMs and all that. We're going to have to do some deeper thinking than all that. It takes some deep meditation, Psalm 119. Verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse 23, princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of, thy, of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Verse 48, my hands also I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. 78. May the arrogant be put to shame for wrongdoing. For, for, I'm reading it. Pardon me. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. 97. Oh, how I love thy law is my meditation all the day. Psalm 139. I'm going to meditate, then I have to open myself to God. Let Him change my thinking. Let Him change my life. Make Him, let Him change me into the image of Jesus Christ. Psalm 139. O Lord, Thou hast searched me, Thou hast known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou knowest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and my right hand and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as a day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members are written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, which I, when I awake, I am still with me. Still with thee. 
Verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That word search means ransack. You're here. People getting robbed. And they ransacked the house. That's what they call it. They just took all the drawers. And they turned them upside down. And they went through the house. And looking for whatever. And when it was done... Everything was out in the open. And they all be put back again. And David says, take my life and just turn it upside down. Empty all the drawers. See, 2016 has more to do than the things around us. It has the most to do with who we are. In our relationship with God. So if we're going to let God ransack us, if we get, He's going to really, if we're going to open ourselves up to Him, so that He can use us to His glory in 2016, despite all the external circumstances, then that takes transparency on my part. It takes honesty on my part. It takes courage on my part. It takes humility on my part. See, 2016 is not about the world and everything is happening out there. 2016 is about my relationship with God. Whether I'm going to be, allow Him to make me who I, I'm supposed to be. Hymn number 45 in the church hymnal. Tremendously astounding song. I hadn't heard it sung for years to the young people sang it up here. Lord, thou hast searched and seen me through. Thine eye commands with piercing view. My rising and my resting hours, my heart and flesh with all their powers. My thoughts before they were are before they are my own are to my God distinctly known. He knows the words I mean to speak. Ere from the my opening lips they break. Within thy circling power I stand. On every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep. At home, abroad, I am surrounded still with God. Oh, may these thoughts possess my breast. Where'er I roam, where'er I rest, nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin, for God is there. Amen. Wow! When I look around me today, what do I see? Do I see the world with all its violence? Do I see, uh, uh, do I see a, uh, uh, a culture that is spinning out of control? Do I see, well, what do I see anyhow? Or do I see the surrounding presence of God?
within thy circling power I, everywhere I look. God is here. On every side I find thy hand. Does that make a difference? How I look at 2016? Maybe we read the news too much and not enough of the good news. What else should I be considering? Just a few thoughts, springboards that we can use, and I'm not going to go into detail here, but, but some of this, maybe except one. Uh, maybe we should consider how God has worked in my life and in the history of man. When Hitler decided to take over the world, did Hitler take over the world? Okay, just one example. I need to consider my personal pilgrimage with God. Where am I at with God? See, this has to do with my future, 2016. Uh, maybe I should meditate on uh, my personal testimony and my witness to other people. Do I reflect Jesus Christ? Or is my life spinning out of control like our culture? And we could, can, we could meditate on what, did, what I have accomplished for God. You know, we've all accomplished something for God. I mean, don't get all proud and, you know, everything. But, you know, we've had some successes and we can think about that and praise God for that. Or if it didn't work out, necessarily like we thought, we also need to meditate that whatever we did and whatever we tried and whatever effort we put forth, whether it brought out the magnificent results that we wanted or whether it didn't, it wasn't wasted. I, I was working in Brownsdale. Yesterday I was talking to this uh, couple I was working with and they were saying it's like uh, her, the lady said her mom went to church and, and it closed the doors. There wasn't enough people to make it work just wasn't enough attendance and so they closed the door and she said you know it was a church I grew up in and I went to closing service the last service and she is just heart wrenching and she said my mom is just struggling and struggling and struggling about you know she's at the church all the time and she I mean you know, it's like every day she went to church and she's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of effort into this church and the ultimate result is they closed the doors and she's really struggling with this. And I told her, I says, I'm, I'm thinking about this. And I'm nailing up trim and I'm working and doing hand railings and stuff. And, and I finally went there and I said, I want to tell you, give your mom a message from me or from the Lord or whatever. I said, tell her. It doesn't matter. Church is open. Church is closed. Whatever that happens. It's fortunate or unfortunate. I don't have answers necessarily for your mom, but I tell her one thing. 
all the effort she ever put into that church, even though the doors closed, was not wasted. Because you can't waste effort for God. The Bible says our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so whether it looked productive, whether it looked successful, whatever it was, Rest assured, God knows. Yet, there's also, we can think about what all can be accomplished. What there is yet to be accomplished. And maybe we could meditate on, you know, what I could be more for God if I was more diligent and more committed. You know, we, we could think about that. And one, one that I, I've thought about recently, and it was... We're back to uh, Oswald Chambers' um, most for his highest. There's something that really struck me. And I'll just put it like this. How much more oneness I could experience with God and with my brothers in the church if I could crucify myself. And I've been thinking about this. Oswald Chambers wrote this. In preaching the gospel, always focus on the matter of the will. Belief must come from the will to believe. There must be a surrender of the will, not a surrender to a persuasive or powerful argument. I must deliberately step out, placing my faith in God and in his truth. And I must place no confidence in my own works, but only in God, trusting in my own mental understanding becomes a hindrance to complete trust in God. I must be willing to ignore and leave my feelings behind. I must will to believe. But this can never be accomplished without my forceful, determined effort to separate myself from my old ways of looking at things. I must surrender myself completely to God. You think about that. is my biggest challenge figuring out what I need to believe or is my biggest challenge my will to want to know what to believe? If you follow that logic, if my will stands in my way, you can talk theology all day long. You can talk brotherhood all day long. But if my will stands in the way, I will not believe and I will not get along with my brother. I will not agree with it. And I got to think about this. And this kind of comes up, but I'll give you a little insight into our ministers' meetings every once in a while. Every once in a while, this comes up and one of us will say, you know, back there when we made that decision, I really. I have to admit I wasn't really convinced, but, you know, for the sake of everything, I went along with it. Now I understand. Now I understand. Able to get past the will... 
and work with others around me. And after I did that, then I understood. And the same way with God. You know, if I have to understand everything before I do it, you know, okay, all right, all right, okay, I understand now, so now I will do it. Now, how does that work when, you, when you're operating with a God that knows 16 million times more than you do, and yet he has to explain, 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 explain so that... I get my will, it's okay, that makes sense, I'll do it. But if I say, God, I'll do it, just because you said, then as I do it, see, I submit my will to God's will, and then I do it, and I say, ah, now I understand. So we can think about that. Another th thing we could think about and we could meditate on is how much time we have left. And we could do a lot more, but that's where I'm going to stop. How much time do we have to do what God asks us to do? We have a bright 2016. We do? Absolutely. Under the shadow of the wings of God, surrounded by the presence of God, under the protection of God, God's in control. He can go like that, and the nations do this, and he could think like that in the bucket, and they could do that, and, and, and saves us all the panic, saves us all the fear, saves us succumbing to the scream bombs of our culture. When God is on our side, how can we lose? Doesn't mean we won't face difficulty. But I would far rather face difficulty with God than face our present world situation without God.